Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, the Atlanta sports guys. We're all back together again. It is just a, a great, a great time. Great time in Knoxville, Tennessee, where you're not going to believe this, folks. Where uh, it is dreary, rainy, and cold. That is that is the Knoxville winter. No leaves. All the leaves are gone. All the foliage is gone. We got two weeks of fall. Very upset about it. When I went back to Georgia for Thanksgiving a few weeks back, y'all had still got a uh, you had a good amount of foliage. It was great. Is the foliage still there, Garrett Chapman and Max Markovich? Uh, there's oh, just no. one tree that's like outside of the the ninety two nine studios mm. that I that it's like once that that tree is completely stripped, I'm like, all right, it's full fledged winter and it's it's getting close. It's heartbreaking. Kind of heartbreaking. Full, Fall full fledged winter. Full fledged winter is in is in quotes there. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's not no. it's not exactly like Ann Arbor, but it's it's uh close enough, I guess. I don't so understand. It's, it's, like, it's colder than Statesboro. Is it? Oh, uh, sort of. Wait, how do you, are you in Statesboro this weekend? Oh no, no, I've been to Statesboro in like two years. Have you really not? I, I, no, no, you never go back. Work too much. Yeah. I, I would go back. I mean, we had an alumni weekend. Mm-hmm. Um what like when we uh we played byu here like three weeks ago four yeah. weeks ago um i would have gone back for that game but i i mean it's it's tough getting down there just working mm. weekends and everything yeah. oh it's tough that shit's tough and it's not a fun drive i don't know max have you ever done the i-16 to statesboro drive can't say i'm familiar no. okay you're not missing it's the anything boring drive <laughs> in the history of drive. It, it's the kind of thing I, I would drive out of my way. I would drive to I would drive down down I twenty mm-hmm. and then south through like all of the little back roads and everything just to add a little bit more excitement to the drive. It is it is just so boring. He's not <laughs> underselling it, Max. Like it's uh, the most boring drive I've still ever done, ever done in the state of Georgia. If you like a flat, straight, concrete highway, I sixteen mm-hmm. is for you. But you people fly down that thing though. People are going 90, 95 miles an hour easy. That's like flow of traffic speed is ninety miles an hour. Yeah. The the drive the drive to Athens is not exactly uh the most illuminating uh hour. Well, and mean, half. You got the bobbin and the weaving and the and the whatever. There's a little the bit bobbin more bobbin and the weaving. <laughs> Compared comparatively speaking, let's put it that way. Comparatively speaking, when you're down in the low country, mm. dude, it is it is awful. It is so bad. It's always under construction, and we have to drive through McDonough. McDon- driving to McDonough, bless your hearts if you live there. Mm-hmm. It sucks. Henry uh, County is just always the worst. You could, there could be, it could be four o'clock in the morning and mm-hmm. there could be 15 people on the highway, but then you drive to McDonough and then all of a sudden they're, every person and their mother is out on the highway in standstill traffic. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. It's always standstill. It's terrible. I don't know what it is about that area. Yeah. I don't know. It's I feel just some type yeah. of way. I-75. <laughs> it's dangerous in that area. Um... But yeah, there you go. That's your uh, traffic update on the Atlanta sports guys here. We like to keep you all informed on what's going on on the drives. As you, uh, Hey, if you're listening to this particular episode, then I'm going to guess that you have some sort of Atlanta experience. So with that being said, this is all helpful. So if you're traveling this holiday season, uh, avoid McDonough if you can at uh, any moment because it's a, it's a rough ride and it's always going to be slow and backed up. Um, yeah, there you go. Um Fellas, we have to start with the Atlanta Falcons. I, I want to start with the Atlanta Falcons first because the Hawks are the main event tonight. Uh, big game tonight after last weekend's uh, debacle where I almost uh, lost my mind at uh, the sports bar in downtown Knoxville watching Hawks Sixers. But that is for another day. 
Um, I found this interesting. So this came from the Falcoholic who pulled this up. Great uh, friend of the pod that Matt Ryan has been hit the most. Like he, it's preposterous how many times he has been hit through 12 games. Garrett, when you look and when you've watched every game, how much of it would you, how much of it would you contribute to Matt Ryan holding the ball too long? How much of it is just Jalen Mayfield and Caleb McGarry and then the rotation at center right now? How much is it that guys are not getting open? Based on what you've seen the last few weeks, who is to blame for the just the preposterous amount of QB hits for the Falcons thus far? Uh, I mean, unfortunately, it, it, I, I don't think I can point to one specific thing. Um, unfortunately, it's a group effort, you know? Uh, I, I think it's a combination of a lot of different things. That offensive line in and of itself is not very good. Um, that just standing on its own, it's terrible, really. Uh, and then you add in the fact that it's play, they've played some very, very good defensive lines over the past couple of weeks. Um, I mean, you look, you played the Bucks and you got hit 11 times. Vita Vey, I mean, like, you just absolutely destroyed this offensive line. And it was Jalen Mayfield just had absolutely no chance. Uh, and then whoever we're playing at center at any given time, I mean, it, it, we're going the the two center approach is just terrible. But always a good sign when we're doing a multi <laughs> center combination. If you have two centers you, in you the NFL, centers, you don't you have, have one. You have zero. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, if you have two, you don't have any. And then you add in the fact that you on the outside, they're not getting any separation at all. They really, really miss Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. Um, and yeah, yeah, I get it. Julio Jones isn't even playing for the Titans. I mean, Ryan, T- I saw the joke on Twitter. Uh, people are saying, oh yeah, Matt Ryan really misses Julio. It's like, yeah, so does Ryan Tannehill. But um, the, the, the the guys on the outside, they're not getting separation. So Matt Ryan has to hold on to the ball too long. Um, and I think he also just has very little faith in them too. So he is holding that ball too long. Um, and then the offensive line just can't hold up and we're playing good defensive fronts. It's a perfect storm. What do they have, like 92 QB hits or something crazy, like nine, it's ninety something, and they had eleven last week against the Bucks. I mean, it's a perfect storm of suck. <laughs> that should be on an an annual somewhere a in a couple of years. You know? John Collins is putting dunks on T-shirts. All that the Falcons are putting other things, man. <laughs> the twenty twenty one Atlanta Falcons, a perfect storm of suck. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's honestly what it is. And you know, it's funny as you said that a hawk just flew by my window. Um, so that's cool. I like it. They knew that it was time for the Atlanta sports guys. Um, <laughs> Max, do you agree with Garrett's sentiment there? Yeah, hundred percent. If you're making a pie chart of like what's what percent to blame on this offense, where zero percent of it is on Matt Ryan holding the ball too long. Like our receivers can't get any separation. That's a problem. Uh, Vita Vea uh, used Jalen Mayfield like a freaking rag doll uh, all game. It was it was aggravated assault. It was a problem. Uh, <laughs> Like what? What is he supposed to do? He was—he's never been the most athletic guy. He can't really like escape the pocket and get get yards that way. Um, he checks the ball down to our running backs basically every play, which is the best play in the entire offense. Um, considering Cordero Patterson might be like a, a top five running back in the NFL. Yeah, um, he might be a Pro Bowler, like, right? Legitimately, like, he deserves Pro Bowl consideration. Oh yeah, Le- like legitimately could be a top five to seven running back in the NFL right now, which is insane. Um, but he's our only weapon, and yeah. like. I don't know, like, I don't know how much to um, worry, stress, uh, be anxious about Kyle Pitts right now. I don't know really where to assess that blame. Um, It's probably hard. Like, he's our only real downfield option. And when a rookie tight end, a 20-year-old tight end, is our only real downfield option, 
it's pretty easy to take that away i would imagine but um, when you look at the film he's open a lot like ryan has missed pits or he'll throw it behind him a little bit there have been a lot of plays where pits and you can see that he's annoyed by it but no i think it, he's also had some drops he like, has had I, some drops but i don't care keep targeting and i'll take the drops no, I, I don't care either I, I want him to get 12 targets a game yes. but um but i don't know like it's it's not matt ryan's not just gonna force the ball in somewhere uh if it's not the right read yeah and so well if eliminates you know, the key is just the right read then the read is wrong <laughs> and we need to reevaluate the question Right. It, it, at this age, if Matt Ryan's going to be successful, it's going to be predicated on timing with, yep. rec- with receivers he trusts, getting open in areas that he, he can trust, with an O-line that he can trust to hold up. None of those factors are happening right now. Receivers are not getting open. O-line is not holding up. And so it's basically quick read, not there, check down. And that's the entire offense. It is annoying. Um, but it does seem like there's a little bit of hope with the running game, right? Like Mike Davis showing some stuff this past week against the Bucks. Um, Wayne Gallman, I would still like to see get a more of a look and see what we have. You're there. really on the Wayne Gallman train. He was he was inactive last week. I know that's what I'm saying. I want to see him get some opportunities. I cannot quit Wayne Gallman. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the giant <laughs> stuff that I can't. The tape was good. I don't know why. Uh, hey, I don't know either. I don't know what to say. I, I'm just a. Maybe I'm still a little bit uh, upset about the Javion Hawkins stuff. Maybe I, I still think uh, we should have tried something there. Um, yeah, because Javion Hawkins is, is blowing up uh, elsewhere, right? He. I mean, it's hard to recover from that sort. <laughs> is he of, on a roster right now? Or is he? He's it's a good question. Spot. I don't think so. If he is, he's. I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be such a splash this season. So, so did not. I. I was in. I. I, I think we I think we talked about that yeah. pretty extensively. <laughs> he, just, he just wasn't. <laughs> well, Max, when do we talk yeah. about what what to do with Cordero Patterson? Well, he already said he wants he, to be a Falcon for life. Like he was tweeting about that. Well, He's I'm, good with it. I'm sure he does. He also <laughs> probably Falcon wants life. never say that phrase ever again. Yeah. Well, oh, he's already evolved for life. Hands, I can't. No, please don't say but that I mean, ever what again. Is it, what is a contract? What is a contract for Cordero Patterson look like now? Like Too this, much, probably. this year is a complete outlier in his entire career. Yeah. And yet the offense, I can't even imagine an offense next year without him. Yeah. Um, and like, you, you know, the old adage of, and we learned it with Devontae Freeman of never paying running backs. I mean, he's not, he doesn't really fall into that category because he doesn't have the kind of wear and tear um, the rest of them do. And also because he's not really entirely a running back. I don't know like what you have to bring him back, but I don't know like how to even conceptualize what the contract will look like. Well, it also depends on like what he actually wants and what he sees as value. Does he just like take less money and just like want to stay here and just like, because not not a lot of teams are going to offer him the opportunity that the Falcons are giving him. Like no one around the league is being like, Oh yeah, you can be our bell cow back uh, next year. Are you sure? Yeah. I don't think so. I I think, I think 30 year old, is he 30, 31, whatever, like Mm -hmm. 30 year old Cordero Patterson coming off this kind of season probably knows this is like his big contract period. Mm. Like this is, this is, this is his chance. So I don't think he's like taking less money to maximize opportunity. I think he's taking the best offer and he can say, I'm, I'm sure he does want to be stay with this team because of the way Arthur Smith is utilizing him. Like that, that all makes sense. I don't think he's going to give us some kind of discount because of that. I don't know. No, Older no. running backs at this age. I, I just, if it, it, he gets a lot of money, it's a one year deal. Like it's a huge incentive laid in contract by somebody else. I just I don't know who's doing that. Greater than like eight million dollars, like six, six, seven, maybe. Uh, I mean, yeah, because he's what a thousand yard total. What is he? What is he like? A thousand total yards this season? Yeah, I mean, well, something like that. Yeah. I mean, he's a good player. He's he's a he's a focal point of this team, but 
I don't know, man. He's over the age of 30. It's like, what do you expect to give him? I, I'm not going to give him any more than a year or two. I, I might do maybe two years, six a year. I, th- I think I could go that. Uh, but even then, it's like, I, I don't think we should go any deeper than that because we're already in a contract hole. Um, and then thank God we're finally out of it next year, sort of. Uh, what we have, like, uh, based off of the expected cap, right? 28 mil or something, mm-hmm. but before rookie contracts and things like that. So, you can't really go in on an older running back like that. I mean, like at the end of the day, it's like you've got to keep looking to the future and find that next guy, maybe a one-year deal. I, I actually just – the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I'll give him one more year. Um, I don't think he'll take it because I think he wants a little bit more security going into the end of his career. I think he's back next year. I think they work something out. My guess is I like mean, he's actually good. something out, but yeah. one year I think is about the most I'd want to give him. That's fair. Fair or not. And he's like right at a thousand. He has about 500 rushing yards and 500 receiving yards. Oh yeah. He'll get it. He'll get that. He's averaging 11.8 yards per catch. Um, that's amazing. What a guy. What a guy. Kurt Errol Patterson. Greatest player in the NFL, man. <laughs> he really does save these games though. Like these Falcons <laughs> games are brutal. Some watchable. They, he really does. And it, I was talking to a Lions fan about this, um, on the pod earlier this week where I was like, so the, and we play the Lions in a couple weeks and he was like, Oh, that's a winnable. And I'm like, good God, this is where we're at. Um, but these games are just so boring. Like they're so boring. I've never been this bored watching the Atlanta Falcons for a full season as I am this year. And I wonder Max for you, is it like if Calvin Ridley is played every week, do you think these games are as boring if we get Pitts, Patterson and Ridley and now a healthy Russell Gage, who's done a lot. And we should mention having him back has been uh, a godsend. And I just think he's someone that we just need every week. Um, he's such a good safety blanket underneath um, Hurst coming back. But um, how much of this would change for you if Calvin Ridley was playing each week? I think it, I think it would change a ton. I really do. Like, I, I think Ryan's best throws for a number of years now have been those sort of like quick play action, intermediate level throws, timing routes that he can hit with receivers that are really good. And like he doesn't trust any of the receivers right now Mm -hmm. um, to make those catches. And Ridley open would open everything up. It would open up that, you know, go to um, throw to Ridley over the middle on the outside uh, on timing, like curl routes and stuff. And then it would open up off of that. You could work the pits and then you could hit your check downs with your running backs who are, who are legitimate weapons and I honestly think we would be talking about an offense that is on an upward trajectory and in sort of the upper half of the league. I, I, I actually really do. Um, and it's just, you know, it's unfortunate. I, w- I would love to see that because I also don't feel like it's giving us a proper evaluation period of what Arthur Smith looks like, of what Arthur Smith is going to be. Like, I just don't know how to even assess this year from a coaching staff standpoint. And so I just kind of chalk it up as a mulligan right now, but that's not very helpful for anyone. Yeah. What do you think, Garrett? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, when you lose your number one receiver, it's going to hurt. Um, and I'm looking at this and I'm, I'm, I'm taking a peek at the schedule and I'm going back. So what are the Falcons two and four since losing Calvin Ridley? They could be three and three. They were never going to beat the Patriots. They weren't going to beat the Cowboys. They weren't going to beat the Bucks, but that Panthers game that we first that the first time we played them, I, that's a winnable game if Calvin Ridley's playing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, three and three, then all of a sudden, I mean, like you're in slightly better position in the, like in the postseason run and like the, the look for that. And then, like Max said, it's kind of hard to really get uh, a, a full picture of what this team is and can be mm. without your best players. I mean, like, look, if you don't have your playmakers on the field, that affects everything. 
uh, especially if he's like your best player on the outside, which he absolutely is beyond a shadow of a doubt. And when, and that's part of the reason why uh, they felt so comfortable letting Julio walk is because you have a guy like Calvin Ridley who can who can shoulder the load and, and help Kyle Pitts along and um, make sure that he's not the number one option on this team. And, and then when they lost it, just sort of suddenly, they kind of threw the season out of whack. And then they, they didn't even have a bye week after that because his his last game was what against the Dolphins, I think. And then they just then that's like the wait wasn't that a London game? I don't think Sorry, he went he to London. The, didn't he? Sat he ca- the London, he yeah. sat the London game, didn't go to London, and then played the week after. Okay, yeah, that's he, what it was. He played against and the Dolphins. Then, and okay. then sat the, uh, the rest. Okay. And then, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, because he didn't get on the plane to go to London to play the, what was it, the Jets? Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. And yeah. But you lose your number one guy. That's significant, uh, obviously. I mean, like, I, th- I feel like I'm just saying obvious things. But, I mean, it's like, still, I mean, it matters. <laughs> it does matter. It matters. And, like Max said with the mulligan year, it's just – it's so hard to figure out where this offense is going and what Arthur Smith is going to be as a play caller and offensive mind when you don't have your biggest weapon and Julio wasn't around. So it's just Pitts looks fine. I think Pitts is going to be a star in this league for a long time. Um, I think he's just he's open and he's just a mismatch nightmare and will continue to be. We got to stop calling him a tight end, though. Like the tight end stuff has got to go away. Like, what he's are we doing? Catcher. When are we going to evolve as a national media where you got to you, <laughs> you can't put this out here? It's like he's the first tight end into this. And I'm like, OK, there's a difference between Frank Wycheck and what Kyle Pitts is. Let's just move on. Brock Bowers is not a tight end. Brock Bowers is just an athlete. Um Brock Bowers, know. man, that kid's gonna be so special. He already is special. So, like that God, dude's already that just a good. He's but he's an not, animal. He didn't get the Mackey. He wasn't even nominated. He wasn't a finalist for the Mackey Award, but he's a first team All American. Sorry, I'm getting off track. Getting off track. Sorry. Hey, we're gonna give you some we'll positive Georgia we'll vibes based on the, the last seven days for you. We gotta give it, some positive vibes. Although the podcast is gonna be a house divided. Plenty of positive vibes. There's so many positive vibes. Oh no, Max is doing the reverse. Jinx. Look at this other corner. I've had so many people try and like talk trash to me, mostly mm. Auburn and Florida fans. And I'm like, dude, George is playing in the playoffs. You mm-hmm. guys are six and six. I don't, I don't really, we're not on the same level. What do you couldn't relate about? seven and five over here? Couldn't relate <laughs> all aboard the hypo train, baby. Hey, we're moving yeah, up. Like we went from well, like, I think we're what 16th or something like that right now in uh two, four, seven recruiting rankings this year. Like we have skyrocketed in recent weeks. And if we lock down Nolan, which it looks like is increasingly likely, um with his parents wanting to keep him home uh this is this class could be pretty special and then the portal like i like my biggest thing is like wondering how spencer rattler dylan gabriel and hinden hooker are going to share one football on a football field but okay i i'm ready for it i'm ready to see Um, jalen mayfield blocking vita video is would be like putting me in front of walter nolan oh i i kid you not guys like seeing walter nolan up close and like i got uh on the field for that i was just looking and it's just preposterous like Seeing like superstar high school kids versus it reminds me of Lou. Like I got Lou to sign my Iversons when I was in like sixth grade and watched them play Parkview. And Lou Williams against other high school kids was just one of the most obscene, unfair things I've ever seen. I I I remember the game so clearly of him just pulling up, doing whatever he wanted, just the crossovers, everything. Like he was already a pro at that point when he was a comet. And it's just I don't know what we're doing. It's just like what this isn't fair. This is uh this is not a fair thing that we're watching. Like Lou Williams is the best high school basketball player I've ever seen. Um it's like Derrick Henry averaging like ten yards a carry in high school. Yes. <laughs> he had like 4,000 rushing yards and his oh team still couldn't win state. Can't do it. 
I can't do it. This team was like six and four (laughs) in the regular season. The last thing I'll say, though, on the uh, average with Derrick Henry in your backfield. Yeah, it probably because it gets boring. Like, you're just like, oh, you can't just keep running the ball. How do we keep people engaged? Um, (laughs) I don't know. So, the last thing we'll say, and Max really wants to emphasize this point, that he was very pro Micah Parsons over Kyle Pitts early on uh he was a parsons guy we can't we can go back to the group chat he was a he was a guy for micah parsons maybe some big no, 10 bias i was not no okay well i was giving you some credit <laughs> and parsons is obviously already like a defensive player uh the year candidate as a rookie just doing everything for quinn in that defense but i don't know if i would have taken a linebacker that high because like if we're doing a redraft the redraft if we go parsons is we trade back so i think you could have gotten him if you trade mm-hmm. back and that kind of thing but when you watch Deion Jones week to week, it's over. Like, Deion Jones is not someone who should be on this roster next year. And I think Foyer still does enough. But I think the, the Deion Jones fall from grace uh, has happened a little bit faster than I would have anticipated. But if you flip him out for versus Michael Parsons, I think this defense looks a lot better this year. And the offense is still just as bad without Pitts. Well, I mean, if you're, gonna, if you're not going to call Kyle Pitts a tight end, you can't call Micah Parsons a linebacker. Mm-hmm. He's the yeah. exact same situation. And this is, I stand to this guy so hard uh, back in April, May. I, I mean, this guy is, holy shit. This guy can do everything, everything that you want him to do on a def, on the defensive side. This was like, uh, what was his name? Uh, Isaiah. Um, oh, shoot. Plays for the, the Cardinals now. Simmons. Played for Simmons. 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 Yeah. He's, he was, he's him, but a better version. Uh, mm. I mean, the guy was an absolute study. He can rush the passer. He can drop back and play safety. If you need him to, he can, he can, play linebacker blitz blitz he can he can suck up line he can do whatever you want him to do and he can out get get out in coverage he's not a linebacker he is a defensive player he can do anything that you want him to do and the fact that he slipped to what eight nine this year in the draft is, is just a crime uh it's because he was labeled as a linebacker and, and not as a defensive player like as a guy who can do it all he's a swiss army knife the guy was a stud there's a reason he's a defensive player of the year and he will be a perpetual defensive player of the year for the next decade he has the perfect body type, and it was – look, we got the other unicorn in the draft. These are There were two unicorns in this draft. We let the defensive one drop, and we took the guy on offense, which is kind of the mold in the history of this franchise. But um, he's a good player, man. He's a damn but good also, player. Like, also, we're talking about a defense that is going to need a complete entire teardown and rebuild from yeah. the ground up. And it's true. not like – you know, some teams look, can look at their defense and say – Oh, we're an edge rusher away from being a pretty good defense or, you know, we're another lockdown corner away from being a really good defense. Like what the Falcons need with this teardown is like there's just this defense is crying out for like difference makers. Just any guy who could come in there and wreak havoc like in any capacity. We have made we have one and a half right now uh, with Grady and A.J. Terrell and throwing Parsons in here. It's not even like. Oh, you know, could he be a like for like replacement for Dion or like, you know, could he slot in where Dante Fowler is and be bet? Like you just throw him in there and he's he's messing shit up, basically. Um, and like we just need anyone who can do that at all in any in any space. Um, and, you know, obviously I wasn't on over here pounding the table for him on the draft, so I can't. I can't say they messed up, um, but it sure would be nice to have that guy in this defense to, to build around for the next 10 years. But but it's also not like Kyle Pitts is it was a bad pick either. I, mean, I don't want to. No, no, like no, I'm yeah. saying that either. Kyle Pitts is going to be a, a stalwart in this league for a very long time. He's going to be a stud. He was the best possible player to take in the draft, and the Falcons took it. 
Um, Micah Parsons is close second, though. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. There's still a lot to play out, but at this point, I think both are wins for both teams. It's just uh, the value is more immediate. Um, the divi- They're paying uh, immediate dividends uh, in Dallas versus Atlanta. But I also the Cowboys think- are also a better team. Correct. So yeah, the tight end position is one of the most difficult positions to play in football. And if you put, if you put Kyle Pitts in, in a you know really functional, uh, effective offense right now, he'd be a, he'd be a stud too. Like he'd yep. be a difference maker for sure. Uh, for sure. If he was in Kansas City year one, I, I think it would be a, a very different no situation. Um, yeah. Well, let's talk to the talk about the Braves real quick. Um, obviously, Freddie Freeman still uh, going to be out there until the lockout resumes and we'll see what happens with Freeman. Not a lot to discuss on that front, but uh, Talking Chop uh, is doing some good season reviews. And I wanted to pick y'all's brain uh, outside of Wilson Contreras, who uh, won the home run derby in Venezuela a few days ago. So shout out to Contreras. Um, I was talking to John Taylor of Fangraphs about the catcher situation in Atlanta past Travis Darno when he moves on. But um, I don't know. We didn't see enough from Contreras. And then Shay Lang- Langoliers um, is more of a glove than a than a hitter. And seeing him up close, we'll see what happens. If, if there was a way we could combine Shea and Contreras, that would be a, a good everyday catcher. But that's not the case right now. Um, but Tuki Toussaint, who had that emergence this summer, I was all in. I was all in on Tuki time. He came back. He started great. Um, after a long time away from the majors, he got back. And then kind of petered out uh, with the control issues and everything else down the stretch. And he was not obviously a significant part of this World Series run. Garrett, I ask you, uh, how would you review Tukey's season? And do you think he still figures to be a part in this rotation going forward? Uh, yes, I think he showed enough um, as far as developments. He's still young. I mean, what is he? How old is he? Like 26? If 25, 26? He's still and the and the, the team still has him under control for a long time, like a couple like two, three more years. Um, so yeah, I mean he's going to be here. Uh, I could see him potentially being a trade ship, maybe trade deadline, assuming we have baseball. <laughs> I guess, but this lockout's got me kind of pessimistic. But um, no, I, I see him as a, as a piece of the of this rotation. I would prefer to have him. I to, I, I would prefer if the Braves didn't have to rely on him. Uh, except for maybe like a, a an injury stint where he comes in and, and fills in. I think he could be a, a very good long reliever um, where he can come in and third, fourth, fifth inning if he needs to. Um, I don't see him necessarily as a top-end starter at all. Uh, but going back to your comment on Shea Langliers, I mean, Shea Langliers uh, is the future catcher of this organization. William Contreras, I think he showed some things. Uh, he needs he needs to be a better a, a game manager behind the plate. Um but the thing is, Shea Langliers, the, the more I've heard about this guy, um, I think you really undervalued his bat. I mean, like, what did he – I think I just Googled this right here. Uh, 24 home runs. 20, 2021, he had 22 home runs. 258, yeah. Good. He was all right. That's, that's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 340 at-bats. I mean, uh, that's impressive. 256, 339, uh, 833 OPS. That's pretty good for, what, a 23-year-old, 20, 24-year-old, something like that. He's young. He's going to continue to develop. He's the future catcher of this organization. But with Travis Darno signing another an extension on his deal, he's going to be here. And so the the development's not going to be rushed. But next year, I fully expect Shea Langliers to be on this roster uh, and to push Travis Darno for starting time. Um, Contreras, I think, is going to make uh, some other team extremely happy. I think in a in a perfect world, we we would get him up here and stick him in like a DH spot or something. But 
Um, maybe, maybe not. I mean, that the, the jury's still out on a guy like Marcelo Zuna. And I think the uh, uh, Contreras, if you put him into a deal, I think he is too good to pass up for someone. Um, and I think he's going to be a perfect chip along alongside a guy like Tookie. That's fair. That's fair. What do you think, Max? Yeah, I agree with everything Garrett just said. And going back to uh, to Tuki Toussaint, like it, it, it kind of goes back to the conversation we had a lot um, beginning of last year about like prospects and not all of them, obviously not all of them become the prime version of what we thought they could be. But with with a guy like Tuki Toussaint, that doesn't mean he's not going to be a useful MLB player in some capacity, right? Like he. Probably, you just have to sort of recalibrate your adjustments for him. Could he be a back end of the rotation guy? Absolutely. Could he be a useful long reliever? Absolutely. Like, could he be a guy who's a weapon in a bullpen in a playoff series? Like, I could see that too. Um, but it also means you don't go into next season like banking on him being something that he hasn't been yet. Um, because yeah, he's twenty five, but you know he's had opportunities uh, opportunities to start in the majors and sort of shown what he is so far. Um, and so you don't need to like go into next season projecting some kind of leap that we haven't seen yet. Um, and you know, w- w- last year they went into the season banking on Austin Riley, uh, t- you know, taking a leap with that projection. Um, and that, that paid off <laughs> handsomely, uh, in a world series title. Yeah. So like, you know, you just have to be calculated in those risks. And so if Garrett talks about as a trade chip, yeah, I could see that. Um, but he's not the trade chip. He was, two, three years ago. Um, and so you can't expect that kind of value back in return either. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know what they do. I mean, the Travis Arno extension gives them time, but I am curious as it gets more and more crowded, uh, what, what comes and then we'll see what happens with Tukey. I think you still keep him around as a bullpen relief type thing and then spot starter. And if he shows that he can do that, um, great. If not, also, well, we can move on because they do have other arms in this rotation that they can count on. And I still think veteran help. So we'll we'll see um, the Hawks as we wrap up here. Um, State of the Hawks, they beat the Wolves. Uh, rough game on Friday uh, against the Sixers. Um, the offense is clicking. Um, it's the offense is elite. Trey's been playing out of his mind. Uh, John Collins is playing great. He's shooting better than even I thought. I had to go back and look at it because when I saw the numbers, I was like, there's no way. Um, but that's that's reality. And then we're getting healthy. Um, I feel good about my Sharif Cooper is the best uh, College Park Skyhawk in uh, NBA history that or in Atlanta Hawks history. <laughs> rather, I, I told you that dude was going to light up uh the g league that was i can go back on this podcast like there is no question that man is going to put up bonkers numbers in the g league he had like 33 last night but um in terms of the hawks what did you guys see this week um from the team in the games that you've seen and uh specifically the most recent one uh with the wolves max yeah i mean while we're talking about the skyhawks uh love to see anyeka kongu last night yep um Double yep. double, fifteen rebounds, a couple blocks in his first game back with the Skyhawks. Like I am, I mean, I the feel faster like he I makes Clint Capella expendable, the better for all of us. Absolutely, and I feel like I, I pound the table for him every time he comes up because I just love what he could be for this core. Like I think he is just the per, and and you see, and he's been working on extending his his range a little bit with that jumper. I think with his touch and with his free throw shooting, that's something that can translate. Um, he's a guy I am so excited to see. Um, and I just really hope he can stay healthy, get an extended period of time here and, sh- and, and show more growth from, the, from what he showed in the playoffs, which was 
I mean, eye-opening, I thought. Throwing him on Giannis in the playoffs and really, really, truly bothering arguably the best player in the NBA in a way that no one else in this roster can do. That is just, I mean, hard to overstate how excited I am. Um, as for, like, the Hawks generally, I've, I'm trying not to, like, overreact to game, game-to-game game fluctuations. Um, that's sort of the NBA. The regular season is the regular season. It's a slog. I'm excited about how Trey looks and his shooting numbers. I think that's real. Um, <clears throat> I think Trey's going to make a. I, I think Trey's the best point guard in the East, and I don't think it's really all that debatable. Um, and we'll see. We'll see when everyone, as everyone gets healthy, we'll see um, how it all it all fits together. I, I don't. I wouldn't say I'm like overly pessimistic about anything. They do need to play better defense, um, and I don't know necessarily where that's going to come from. Um, but the offense is the offense in that. Uh, seems very real and like it's going to continue. Hmm. I, yeah, going off that last thing that you said, I mean, the defense has been uh, kind of miserable. It's really the only way to say it. But the offense, I mean, the offense has been very good. And, and that's stemmed from Trey Young playing like an all pro. I mean, like the guy is one of the best players in the NBA, period. I think he's turning into a top 15, top 10 player. Um and, I mean, the guy's exploded. The guy's absolutely exploded, and then John Collins is playing out of his mind good. Um, he's uh, – offensively, this team is in fantastic shape, but defensively, like you, you have guys like Gallinari and, and, and TLC and Lou Williams. and, and Lou Williams and has been just, bad. God, the, the defensive side of the ball is so bad. It is so bad. And at the end of the day, I, I, I'm willing to wait. Um, before I freak out about any of that, just because look, your your best perimeter defenders are all on the bench. They are all injured. Um, I, I think this this the defense is going to be better. Um, but you just gotta get healthy, man. When Yeko Kongu comes back, I think it's gonna get better. Uh, Cam Reddish is. I think he's he should be playing tonight. I think uh, based off of what I've heard, not starting and now. That's fine. It's fine as long as he gets minutes. That's and I'm also not saying he should, but that is something of note: is we have to oh, monitor as guys come back. How Nate, who he's good in a lot of ways. One of the things I have not enjoyed are the rotations sometimes, and he loves the all bench lineups, and he loves some stuff where I'm like, Nate, what are you doing? What are you doing, Nate? Well, he did this against the 76ers on Friday. Oh my he god, those, he left that bench unit in. Oh my god, maybe about two minutes too long. And I think that really spelled the end because then you, you you got the starters back into the game. And yeah, I mean, when I, I listened to his comments after the game, it's like, yes, I understand where you're coming from. Trey played a lot of minutes um, and there's a good reason why he wasn't playing in the fourth quarter. But at the end of the day, you're also playing a team that you will be jockeying with for playoff position at the end of the season. And because of that game, we lost the series and they now have the tiebreaker. That is a significant basketball game that can come back and bite us in the ass. You need to win that game. It's a very important game, and I don't think two minutes on on a twenty three year old's legs are really going to make the make or break the rest of the season. You can't play scared. Trey Young is your best player. He had the chance to come in and win the game for you, and you left him on the bench. That is a mistake. Um, yeah. and, and just point blank, period. It's a mistake, and that lost us the basketball game. But look, I mean, it also doesn't help that she scored nine points in the fourth quarter. I mean, like what the. What, what the hell's going on there? But and they were getting look, some I mean, good looks. Those, like that's the other thing. Yeah, they were actually like, missing good looks. His, one of his two footers. Yeah. Um. One of his five misses from two feet. That game's going to overtime. It's it's ridiculous. But look, I, I'm not again. I want to see more consistency, but I don't think we're going to see that until teams the team gets back healthy. 
Um, and that's kind of, I mean, like get healthy. Then, then, we'll, then we can have some reactions to it. That's where I am. Max, what do you think? But like, what is I, I'm worried about when they get healthy, like all those rotations, all those rotations, questions and frustrations you have. I, I, I feel like those are going to get worse. Um, as long as Herter stays in the starting lineup, I'm good. If he doesn't, if he keeps him in the starting lineup, I'm good. Because that, that starting five just has to stay together no matter what. Right, but if, if okay, so if the starting lineup is Trey, Bogey, Herter, um, Collins, and Capella, and Kong was back, and Hunter's back, and Reddish is back, um, you're going to see a lot more. That, that, and what, that. what do you say? I'd say Bogey come off the bench there. I mean, you can't start, mm. I don't think you can start Bogey and Herter next to each other like that. And if you have a Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter healthy. Hmm. Um, I'm putting Bogey on the bench or Kevin Herter on the bench. One of those. Herter cannot either, go on the bench. Either way, yeah, I, I don't know. Way, the the glue guy cannot go to the bench for me. He has to stay. Either either way, my point is more. You're going to see a lot more all bench lineups if you have twelve guys that you feel need to get minutes on a nightly basis rather than it's too many people. Nine or ten. Mm-hmm. It is too many people. It's too many people. Um, and that. Can, but it's also it's also like okay. The biggest flaw of this team is the defense. I think we can all agree with that. Yes. So where do you find growth defensively? Um, Capella's got it. I think answers. it's Capella's out of it. Uh, like he's out of the equation. Unfortunately, it's a Kongwu for a Capella. I I don't know if I agree with that. Like okay. I, I I mean I I love a Kongwu. I do. But when 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 we played our best defense last year, it was a result of Capella taking yes. it up a level, and I and I think that he's capable of that. Um. And, and so I don't know if like a Kongu is, is I, I love the, his mobility and his his ability to, to switch out into smaller guys and all of that. But he's not like a true seven foot behemoth shot block type. Um, and, and, I, and I wonder, especially when a guy I, I love a Kongu, I think he's going to be the future center here. Um, but I wonder if with this defense, you're getting beat off the dribble with opposing guards a lot. You need like the real big shot blocking presence down low. But I think the answer for, for like where does this team grow defensively has to, and it's unfortunate, it has to be Hunter and Reddish in some capacity, mm-hmm. Hunter or Reddish, Hunter and or Reddish. Um, and, and I don't know that doesn't, it doesn't necessarily compute with what is the best lineup for this team still. Like you need that growth and you're not seeing it cause they're not healthy. Um, and that's my long, longer term worry is like, okay, if, the best lineup right now for the Hawks, if everyone's healthy, probably is Trey, Bogey, Herder, Collins, Capella, and you deal with the defensive consequences. But for the long, long term, like if this team is trying to go back to the Eastern Conference Finals or whatever, that's probably not the highest ceiling. Yeah. Is Clint Capella healthy? That was what I was going to posit. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if he is. I, I don't know. I, it, he just... But he always starts off bad. Like, that's the other thing. He has a history and a track record of not getting off to great starts to any season. I guess. I mean, he came in, he missed, like, what, what the first month of the season last year or so? Mm-hmm. He was still coming off that injury. And and then, basically, he turned into a top three defensive player of the year candidate in the middle. And then he goes into, in, in, into the second round of the playoffs. Looks like a stud in the first round against the Knicks. Second round, Joel Embiid, I think... I don't want to say broke him, but ever since that series, I, I've seen a diminished motor. I don't know if that's I, – I, I see him taking a step back. He He's missed a step. He, he, he seems almost reluctant. Almost. I, I don't know what it is necessarily, but he just looks off. Ever since that series against Joel Embiid, 
he just hasn't really been the same guy. Um, and thank God for Nyeko Kongwu because if it wasn't for Nyeko Kongwu, the, the the Hawks aren't playing in the in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. It's very noticeable also when when more noticeable than most when Capella is not at his full capacity because his game is built on that kind of energy springiness, um, all of that stuff that like requires a lot of effort. Um, and so I don't even I don't know if you're necessarily saying like he's not giving full effort or if he's not capable of giving full effort. But like his whole his whole value to the Hawks, def- especially defensively, is built around like that willingness to to be that guy like that, to have that springy, mobile, athletic presence down low. And when he's not that, you can just tell right off the bat immediately. Hmm. It should be interesting to see what they ultimately do. But as the Hawks continue to get healthy and fingers crossed that everybody can get back so that Schlink can actually get a lot of time and a lot of minutes to see where all these guys are at and how this all works. Cause I think that's going to be important with January and February, uh, coming closer and closer that Schlink really needs a good idea of where all these guys stand before the trade deadline. Well, that's, what's so frustrating too about this is that December and January, uh, you, I mean, I think you kind of were hinting at it or it, 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 it's an audition period, mm-hmm. not just for, our sake for for Schlink's sake it is an audition period because i feel like we know what we have um but it's as much an audition period for other teams to say hey look at those guys over there they have a kind of a congested situation we can go take one of those guys off their hand he's playing really well when he has when he's on the on the court blah 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 whatever 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 um but it's like god damn it's like can these guys just stay healthy so he can't get some value out of it um I mean, that's what's just a little bit frustrating. I just, I think it diminishes their value, but I mean, look, I I think this Hawks team is still primed to explode and we haven't seen the best version of the Atlanta Hawks. Like even the team that played in the Eastern conference finals last year was not peak Atlanta Hawks. I think this team can be so, so much better. Um, And this is just such a crucial like couple of months because Travis Link is going to make a move. I'm, I'm just, I'm adamant. I, I'm convinced he has to make a move. He will make a move. It has to be the right move because the the next three to five years of this franchise will be shaped by this trade deadline. And I think you were hinting at something, Garrett, where um, if that big move, uh, capital B, capital M, beca- did, does not become available at this trade deadline, somebody is going to be um, sold at 50 cents on the dollar. And, mm-hmm. and it's going to it's going to look and sound and seem dumb and the fans are going to be upset about it. But it's it's going to be for the betterment long term of like the cohesiveness of this team and the rotation and guys getting the minutes that they need to actually show who they are. And I continue to think that guy is Cam Reddish. Um, and, and I think that's for the better of Cam's career, too. Like we've talked about it ad nauseum, but like the guy Cam needs to be and needs to grow into requires him playing 30 minutes, 25 minutes a game right now. And he can't do that for the Hawks. And it requires him getting the shots that he needs and he can't do that for the Hawks. Um, and, and I, and I, you know, them shopping him around the draft was, a, was a tell. I think that like it, when, if, and when a guy like that is sold, maybe below what their full value could have been, I think it's eventually going to be him. Yeah. Well, Ultimately, we'll see uh, tonight uh, in just a little bit. We'll get 
Nets, Hawks. I'm um, so excited about that one, and we'll learn a lot and uh, about this team this Friday. I like these big time Friday night matchups uh, for the Hawks. I hope this continues. I haven't looked at this schedule. It's not. There. It's not great for my Friday night schedule. So I'll put it. I mean, my God, <laughs> so many of these games. <laughs> I haven't had an open Friday night in like eight months or six months. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm sure, the girlfriend loves it. No, she is. She's not pleased. She no. is not. Certainly not pleased. Yeah, it's it's compromised. <laughs> Welcome to the world, uh, Gary. You got to pick your spots and you got to pick your battles. Oh man, it's uh, it's never yeah. going to end. Uh, it's just a it's a constant back and forth. Um, I haven't even dropped the news about like our trip to Asheville next week because it. Oh yeah, I should probably mention no Friday pod next week because I'll be in Asheville, North Carolina, um, for the weekend. And oh, you can just do it from the road, right? I could just do it from the road. Um, <laughs> do it from Gatlinburg, pull in there, uh, the Moonshine place. Yeah, we can do it from there. Um, no, but uh, Tennessee plays. Uh, a big game on Saturday, uh, and I was like, I gotta get away for for that one. Um, Is that the chicken Alfredo Bowl? That well, no, not the football team, not the basketball team. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Damn, certainly not. not that's football team doesn't have anything to look forward to. Okay, that's enough. All right, that's where this podcast. We haven't ends. even discussed. We didn't even take a minute to talk Georgia Michigan. We don't have to because like, I'm saving that. that. The game's not happening yet. We have time. Order. I like that. The the games is always happening. I mean, it's just a 24 hour. <laughs> no, it's not. Like we have weeks. We have weeks before this game happens. What is it? Three. This is the this is the foremost podcast on on breaking that game down. Is that, it? This is number oh, one. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh god! I mean, it's it's like we could talk about how the uh, the defensive end who's in who's going to New York is not even the best defensive player. Oh my god! Are you kidding me? I think Will Anderson did deserve it. I agree. Will Anderson deserved it. I'm sorry. I agree that Will Anderson deserves to go to New York. I thought he was about to say Jordan Davis. I thought Garrett was going to go Jordan. No, no, no. no. He's he's not talking about Jordan Davis, the guy who plays 50 percent of snaps. Oh. Jordan oh. Davis would have to have had an Indomitian type SEC championship game. To Jordan be Davis would have to would have to would get tired on the way up to New York. <laughs> we ran him off the field. Bama ran him off the field. Yeah, the yeah. tempo it just uh, it doesn't work. Yeah. No. Wait, what was it? The, what did you just say? I think I missed. I missed what you had said. Me or uh, Max? Me? I don't know. One of y'all said something, and one of the other ones laughed while I was talking about Jordan Davis. I don't know what you said. <laughs> I said Jordan Davis plays fifty percent of snaps, and if he got invited to New York, he'd he'd get tired on the way up. And make <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, the guy's a stud. He's going to be a freak. He's if also the Falcons. Like, if the Falcons take him, I will be actively pissed. I just want that known. He doesn't fit. He does not fit. Uh, Georgia fans are going to be are going to piss their pants about it. They're going to freak out whenever the Falcons don't take a Georgia player. It's the most Will Anderson thing. would be a much better fit. I wouldn't be much oh, more in on yeah. Will Anderson as a stat. So sure. Nicobe Dean would be fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, he's the best linebacker in, in college football. I mean, he's the best player on that defense. Everyone loves Jordan Davis. I, I, Jordan Davis is a fantastic football player. Great player. Awesome scheme fit. For the first 25. Like Nicobe Dean's the best player on that defense. I mean, it's, I, don't, I don't even think it's close. Hmm. That's my two cents. I'm just having watched every game. I just think Jordan Davis is fantastic, though. And that, that game is Michigan. Too. Say, That's yeah, be a good I, can't, I can't wait until you have to sit down and root against Aiden Hutchinson every play. <laughs> and then you'll actually realize how good he is. He's oh, no, 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 no. I don't, don't take it as a slight. I'm not saying he's a bad player. He's the second best defensive player and the second best pass rusher in, in football this year. That's just my two cents. That's possible. All right. It's not well, a slight. It's not a slight. There we go. This is going to be rough the next couple of weeks. I can already see this coming. Um, oh, this I haven't even said anything. I know until like we're not even in the bread and butter. Come on now. Oh my goodness, we got uh, we got some time. Stetson Bennett or Keaton McNamara. 
All right. Stud. Goodness the gracious. Oh my God. The mailman will bring it home, right? Do no, I, you don't even need me guys for this preview. The like pain, the, the pain is really evident in your voice. It's, it's I, it, the pain is immense, dude. I thought the Braves <laughs> broke it and I'm, I'm just broken instead. Oh my God. Well, there, <laughs> there you go. Happy weekend guys. Garrett's broken. Well, uh, the best part of the weekend is that I, I can't, I can't experience a Georgia uh, Falcons and, and two Hawks losses all in one in three days. That's the best part. There you go. There you go. Heart, Garrett heart. Chapman, <laughs> Max Markovich. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for the time. Per usual, uh, we will be uh, not back this week, but or next week, but we'll be back after that uh, for some Christmas stuff. So, Christmas yeah, Eve. yeah, Christmas Eve show. So this will be hey. fun, um, guys. Thank you so much. I will talk to you in a couple weeks. Cheers. Thanks.